Hello everybody, thank you so much for being with me, I appreciate your time. As you probably know, and it's very obvious, the US and the allies of uh, the UN are sending weapons to Ukraine. We're also going to talk about what uh, has been coming out with uh, Pfizer and the vaccines and what they're planning to do. Also, but one of the things I wanted to come back and talk about is uh, what's happening with these uh, Arabs doing contracts with uh, China. Nobody's talking about it. It's so silent. And so let's start by talking about what's going on in this whole war, what's really perspiring. And what I see here really is obvious is that the UN is using Ukraine and and nobody sees this but um, the allies all of us here in the UN because we're part of it unfortunately don't want it to be but that's what it is uh, they're using Ukraine as a proxy war they're testing the landfill all these weapons that they're sending to Ukraine is for a reason. They want to see what Russia has. And that is a big, big problem. Recently, General H.R. McMaster said the U.S. military must be ready for war with China. This comes as today, NATO's General Secretary Jan Stoltenberg said he's wanting stronger cooperation and more friends for NATO in the Indo-Pacific region. He said, quote, the fact that Russia and China are coming closer and the significant investments by China in the new, mil in the new advanced military capabilities just underlines that China poses a threat, poses a challenge also to NATO allies. Security is not regional, but global, he went on to say. NATO needs to make sure we have friends. It is important to work more closely with our partners in the Indo-Pacific. He's specifically referring to Japan, South Korea, and Australia. So it's increasingly becoming obvious the powers that be are gearing up to send us into World War III. Well, how can you deny that, right? The thing is, all the equipment they're sending and also uh, all the people that they're sending also underneath the lines because you don't see that that they're sending people and they're sending it uh, as a contract meaning that if some of them do pass away where they were under contract and um, we didn't quite send them every single UN nation or they're part of the UN, are doing the same thing. You think that they have all those soldiers, all these people to go send to war? No, they don't. And to me, this is the way I see it. We are in the very brinks of a World War III because there's other things in between. What are they doing? What are they testing? Are they testing the armament that they have now and in, in, in perhaps the effort to 
see what the enemy has and capabilities that when they actually I guess bombard somebody and then take over and I guess reverse engineer what they have and that's the only thing I can think of but obviously I mean the war is there to make other people richer not you and me now let's go forward and talk about what's happening with Pfizer uh, you probably heard something and it's interesting because um, this whole vaccine situation is uh, is problematic in many ways due to the fact that uh, a lot of these people are being affected by it but the company continues to deny such allegations or tries to shut people down but now with the free active speech freedom if you want to call it that way meaning uh twitter a lot of these things are coming out and one of the greatest things that came out of that while other platforms wanted to silence this <laughs> news uh it's a project veritas came out with this undercover investigation is very very clever what they did and also uh, you know why don't we listen a little bit about that and uh, we'll chat some more hey there is this seat taken you work for pfizer my question for you is why does pfizer want to hide from the public the fact oh that they're mutating the covid virus is this real life i'm literally a liar yeah. i was trying to impress a person on a date what's your lie Taken? What? Hi. Um, you work for Pfizer. My question for you is why does Pfizer want to hide from the public the fact that they're mutating the COVID viruses? Is this real life? What is happening here? Why? What is going on here? This is absurd. Why does Pfizer want to hide from the public that they're mutating the COVID virus? Oh my God. You're on video. You're on video. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID virus. What is going on here? I need to call the police right now. This is I, I don't know what's going on either. This is ridiculous. So you're on video. Uh, we're, 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 I'm a journalist. Bro, first of all, I'm literally a liar. He's, he's on video. Whoa. You're saying we're exploring how the virus keeps um, mutating. Yeah, I'm going to right now. Why don't we mutate the virus? I don't know what's happening. Now, the uh, other thing is that uh, right after that, Pfizer actually sends a letter out and basically, <laughs> well, let's read it, One, shall we? So here's the letter, it says uh, New York, January 27, 2023, allegations have recently been made related to gains of function and directed evolution research at Pfizer and the company would like to set the record straight. In the ongoing development of the Pfizer biotech COVID-19 vaccine, Pfizer has not conducted gain of function or directed evolution research. Working with collaborators, we have conducted search where the original SARS COVID-2 virus has been used to express the spike protein 
from new variants of concern. This works use undertaking once a new variant of concern has been identified by public health uh, authorities. This research provides a way for us to rapidly assess the ability of existing vaccine to induce antibodies they neutralize a newly identified variant of concern. Well, you can read the whole uh, letter if you like, but to be frank with you guys, they're making tons of money. And uh, obviously, all of this uh, is going to come out as a, no, we, we, we're not doing any of that stuff. Reality is, um, all the evidence that is being populated is, is um, to the contrary of it. It's talking to something that uh, a lot of doctors have been involved. Let's put it this way. And uh, we can consider this as a biotech is a technology and um, the more you see it the more I'm convinced that obviously this is done with the purpose of eliminating people and uh, it brings me to to mind that, that there is a, a documentary out there and I'd like you guys to check it out very very interesting documentary go to the website uh, deadsuddenly.info D-I-E-D-S-U-T-D-E-N-L-Y dot I-N-F-O. You go check it out. Make your opinion right after that. But what I'm going to say about these companies, I don't trust them at all. But you make your own opinion. It really something to check out. But we live in an age where truth is much stranger than fiction these days. A few days ago, the American Board of Internal Medicine, which is the very same board that is trying to discredit and strip Dr. Peter McCullough of his license, and which is funded in part by the CDC, held a meeting to talk about countering misinformation. I love these types of panels. Part of their mission is how to handle prickly, thorny, thorny questions like they, that doctors might get. Like, hey, doctor, my son just had a heart attack. And oh, by the way, he also just had the vaccine. Any connection there? This is what this panel was about, how to handle prickly questions like that. One of my favorite moments came from when Dr. Vanita Rora admits, well, it's going to be hard for us to combat misinformation because we have not been trustworthy. Watch. How do you field test some of your messages with specific populations? I'm happy to go first and then feel free to jump in. I, um, you know, we have to acknowledge that we have not been trustworthy. You know, that's just, we have to put that out there. And there are going to be groups that have high distrust of the healthcare system. Um, you know, I watched in a ethics seminar yesterday, very powerful, I re-watched Dr. Susan Moore's call for help while she was hospitalized at a hospital, a black woman physician, and it was heartbreaking, you know, and she went on to die, and she said, like, this is how black people die. It was horrific, and, and 
need to come to terms with the fact that we need to do better, you know? Um, and so I think that we have to lead with that acknowledgement, you know, that things have not gone well. And so when I see my patients in the hospital and they are there for a diabetic foot amputation, right? Like what are the things that led to that, you know? And some of them, you know, in the old days, we might say, oh, they were non-compliant. That's not going to fly anymore. Like that's not, not, you know, what have we done to fail that patient, right? So that they are there and, and this is where we've come. And so I think we need to recognize that we need to earn the trust. And if we need from that, that we need to earn the trust, then, and then the answer also is, I have a patient who I um, would talk to about COVID vaccines all the time. And he's like, you know, I know you, this is your thing, but you know, I'll listen, but I'm not gonna get vaccinated. And, and I said, okay, tell me what you wanna talk about. And we switched to talk about what he wanted to talk about. And then, you know, if, interestingly, a lot of my patients who know me well don't have good primary care, so they come in and out a lot, so I need them. Also a distrustful thing, but they trust me now because they see me a lot. And he said, okay, I know you're here to talk about COVID vaccine. I don't know, I'm here to talk about what you want to talk about. And so I think that's the other thing is we've got to make space to connect with our patients, and our healthcare system has to help us do that. I don't know what you guys think about that, but uh, CDC is not so trustworthy after all. Question I bring is, why is there paying the big money? So here it is. I think the uh, last thing we have to come back and talk about is this uh, Yuan, PetroYuan, uh, and what's happening to the petrodollar. South Arabia is still... In negotiations to make an agreement for their oil what's gonna happen to the dollar you have if you invested in dollars a lot of these companies and banks have invested heavily in dollar and a lot of these so-called experts don't think this is gonna happen the reality is that the more I look at it, it it's going to happen. And a lot of these uh, investments are going to actually shrink. And including your pocket and my pocket. If you live in the U.S., for sure it's going to be shrinking. We're not going to have that major power in our dollar anymore. That's, that's not a prediction. That's a fact. And then... When this happens, um, then Russia has an ally, which is China, and here is a big problem. Now that they have oil, they can actually go on forever. The question I bring is, who are the arrows going to be in case a big war happens? Who pays them more for their oil? And look, I hate to say it, but this this administration is not actually for us. Most of this one point something trillion is going to be spending on some green deals. And it's not helping the American people. It's affecting the entire world at this point. So check this out. This comes from uh, Bloomberg. 
January 17, obviously, this came out, says Saudi Arabia is open to discussions about trade-in currencies other than the U.S. dollar, according to the Kingdom Finance Ministry. There are no issues with discussing how we settle our trade arrangements, whether it is in the U.S. dollar, whether it is in Euro, whether it is in South Rays, Hamad Ash Jadan told Bloomberg TV on Tuesday on an interview in Davos. I don't think we are waving away or ruling out any discussions that will help improve the trade around the world, Al Jadan said. And the world's largest oil export, which has maintained currency pegs to the dollar for decades, is seeking to strengthen its relations with crucial trade partners, including China. The Kingdom of Spiller, a petrodollar system established in the 1970s that relies on pricing crude exports in the U.S. currency, during the presidency Ping visit Riyadh last year, the two countries agreed to boost coordinations, energy policies, and explorations. So, here is um, the big evidence that they're going to do this, and the question is, obviously, how far are they going to go? It's all about money, obviously. We just need to know when is this going to happen and uh, how much. That's all for me. Thank you so much for your time. Till next time. Bye-bye.